Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. During the COVID-19 pandemic, James Ellis has purchased not one, but two CrossFit gyms on top of owning CrossFit Infinite Strength. It was never his plan, however, to purchase said gyms, which he shares in the following conversation. But due to relentlessness and an attitude of servanthood, James found a way to save multiple gym communities in Arizona. As he shares about his story and how he became an owner of three CrossFit gyms, winding from a lifelong athlete to his career in Olympic weightlifting to a job at a university, listen for themes of working till the job is done and caring for people to the end. Recognize James's people over profit mindset and ask yourself how your leadership might need to reflect the same. Finally, take note of James's reaction to COVID-19 with his three gyms and how even in the middle of the desert, members are still showing up for outdoor workouts and the community they love. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm your host, Heather Hartman, editor of Box Pro Magazine, and I am here with a special guest, James. Uh, James, can you go ahead and say, hey, tell us who you are, uh, what you do, and where you're coming from? Awesome. Well, uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, my name is James Ellis. I am the owner of CrossFit Infinite Strength, Hammer CrossFit, and now Spar CrossFit as well, um, all located in Arizona. Um, around the, the Phoenix area. Awesome, James. Well, hey, it's great to have you uh, early this morning, your time, mid-morning, my time. Um, and ironically, I have actually been to Spark CrossFit. That's where my sister went for a while to work out. Mm-hmm. And it was a dream come true when I got to work out with her there and do a CrossFit workout with her for the first time. So sweet memories with that gym when you brought that up. And I was like, oh, Good times, good times. So, well, I love to start with the story. I want to hear about your story. How, how in the world did you get into this industry? How'd you come to find CrossFit? How'd you come to own three gyms? And there is so much more to unpack in that, but just kind of want to start out with, how did you come to where you are today? Oh, wow. Um, okay, I don't, I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, so I've been a, a lifelong athlete, I guess. Um, I started playing soccer when I was 10 years old, wrestling around that same time. Um, got involved in track and field, rock climbing. Um, I did all of that through high school. I became a cheerleader in college. <laughs> um, yeah, of all things. And uh, for my 21st birthday, I wanted to get in the best shape possible. And that was in 2007. And uh, the movie 300, had just come out and uh, I looked into how those guys got to be so fit and I found um, the gym that they trained at in Salt Lake City, Utah is a place called Jim Jones and uh, eventually that led me to to CrossFit because um, that's basically the style of, of training that they that they did and I didn't really take it very seriously for a while because I was still in the sort of traditional gym bro mindset. I was a kinesiology major in college and um, just wasn't wasn't really bought in fully. I think I was still young and uh, I don't know, not really open. Um, but then in 2009, after I graduated and got my first uh, full-time personal training job, I, I met someone, his name is Pete Rasmussen. He actually owns a CrossFit gym now in, uh, it's Carbon in Chicago. And uh, 
he was doing kipping pull-ups and I told him that wasn't the best way to work your lats and he put me through a 10 minute half Cindy and I threw up and <laughs> um, I think I got five and a half or six rounds and he was laughing at me and I asked him what he could do and he said I don't know 10 and then he did 12 in, in 10 minutes and I realized at that moment that I didn't know nearly as much about fitness as I thought I did. And that was sort of the, the first step in this long line of, well, what has now become know, either, either the beginning of my empire or the quickest way to go bankrupt. Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> I love, I, I mean, I don't love that it could become the, you know, the bankruptcy, but I love, I love that. And what, what a neat guy to maybe not necessarily fight you on it, but simply to just show you and kind of, be like, well, you know, you're saying that this is the best way to work your lats. How about I just give you a little taste of what I'm thinking or what I'm doing? I love that. He was just like, let's just do this and compare. Like that, that is cool to me. Um, and I love that you had such a diverse sports background. Like you said, soccer, wrestling, and cheerleading, which, you know, I, I assume you were a base person catching people. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that, I, I was a cheerleader for three years at the University of Illinois. Um, it's actually the first national competition I ever was part of was uh, UCA uh, <laughs> Nationals in Orlando. Um, yeah, they're fond memories, but uh, I, I prefer barbells over lifting girls. Yeah, barbells probably struggle less. <laughs> they girls complain are less when you drop them. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, they bounce back a lot quicker probably than the girls. Yeah, that's very that's a very good point. Um, well, that's crazy. So that's how you found CrossFit. So you have this athletic background. You talk to this guy. You're like, dude, that's not how you do it. And he was like, let me show you. Found it. And you were probably like, whoa, this is legit. So how then did you come to own a gym? Because that's a big jump going from doing CrossFit to owning a gym. It was actually, a, it was kind of a long path because uh, I think there's eight years, eight or nine years that separate those moments. Um, let's see. So back then in 2008 or nine, there weren't really that many CrossFit gyms. I think there were only like three or four in the entire Chicagoland area. And one of his friends actually was opening CrossFit AMRAP in Lake of the Hills. And um, so I went over there, introduced myself. Um, I went with another another coach, and basically we helped him get that gym off the ground. Um, I got my first level one in 2010. Um, I had to drive all the way from Chicago to uh, St. Paul, or is it Minneapolis, St. Paul? Yeah, Minnesota, um, because they weren't offering that many back then. <laughs> and so I think I waited like three months, and then yeah, I got in the car and drove eight hours and stayed there for the weekend. And it was the most incredible experience. Um, you know, that was back, I think Miranda Oldroyd was in my, my first L1. Um, you know, and that was back when we still did Fran on, on day two. Um, it, was, it, was just, it was just a really amazing experience. So um, I, got to, I got to come back and start coaching at that facility. Um, meanwhile, I was also working for Lifetime Fitness. Um, so I did, I worked for Lifetime for five years alongside the CrossFit journey. So it was really interesting to see both the, 
like highly professional billion dollar business side of things and then the renegade warehouse dirty like you know shirts off and <laughs> sweat angels and that sort of thing um in so i through crossfit i found olympic weightlifting and uh realized quickly that I was better at lifting heavy than breathing heavy. <laughs> and uh, I tried, yeah, I tried, to, I tried to do both for a while. Um, and I actually competed in, in regionals in 2011 and 12 um, on a team, but as like the guy who could move weight. But it, it, at the time, like nobody was really that strong. It was great. Um, so I was kind of just an early adopter. Uh, and over the years, like the, the level of the CrossFit athlete just rose and I didn't really go anywhere in that and uh, found weightlifting. And so I started competing um, through USAW and qualified for my first national meet in 2011. Um, in 2012, we had uh, the American Open Finals were in Palm Springs, California. And my dad had moved to Arizona about a year prior and I hadn't yet visited him. So the plan was that I was going to fly out there to Phoenix, um, stay there for a week. We were gonna like spend Thanksgiving together and then we were gonna drive to Palm Springs to, um, so that he could see me compete. And he was supposed to pick me up from the airport, but my dad is diabetic and unmanaged and he had a wound on his leg that wasn't healing properly. And he had to go to the emergency room and he almost wasn't able to come the whole trip. And it was kind of, it was at that time that I sort of realized that, you know, I'd spent my whole life to this point trying to um, become a personal trainer and help other people. And I realized if I couldn't help my own family, then like I wasn't, I didn't know like what I was gonna do. Um, I quit my job, I quit Lifetime, I quit the gym. And two weeks later, I moved to Arizona without a plan. And, uh, do you want me to keep going? <laughs> There's some, yeah, yeah, this is, I'm, in, I'm very intrigued. I'm like, what's going to happen? So, but you, <laughs> so you were, you were very motivated to move to Arizona to be with your dad because you wanted to help him. You, you were like his health. It's, I need to help my family. I love that. It's because you've been in Chicago helping other people and now you're like, mm, I need to do this. So, so you just jumped on that plane and you moved. Yeah, I packed as much stuff in my car as I could, and uh, I still had a lease on my apartment for another three months or so, so I, I went back and got all that later, but uh, yeah, I moved in with him, and for four months, I, I basically made all of, I moved in with him and my stepmom, um, and made all of their meals, I um, yeah, kind of taught them how to cook, we started getting him swimming, um, he lost about 35 pounds, um, he's, he's actually, now he's down 60. Um, wow. still not in great health. Um, and maybe we'll get to that at some point, but, uh, but yeah, it was a, just a really good experience. My, my weightlifting coach from Chicago introduced me to another coach here in, uh, in Arizona. And so I was driving 35 miles each way, six days a week to go train. <laughs> um, and that coach actually got me a job or got me an interview for a job to work at an online uh, university that had a fitness program. So I started there as an adjunct and that later became my full-time job for the next seven years. Wow, so. oh my goodness. <laughs>
That's crazy, James. So, so you moved to Arizona. You, I love that you just taught your, your dad and your stepmom how to cook and how to eat well. It sounds like your dad has lost a lot, a lot of weight, you know, despite the other, the other health problems. That's, that's really awesome though. And then you get this full-time job and you're still weightlifting. So you still have this background of CrossFit and weightlifting and all of that. Um, so seven years, you were the adjunct at the online university. Yeah. Um, well, I was full-time actually. Um, so I started off adjunct and then, and then was promoted, I guess. Um, but it was wonderful because it, I was teaching online. And so I had a whole lot of freedom. I was still able to train, um, you know, sometimes two sessions a day and weightlifting sessions then were like two, two and a half hours a piece. Um, so I would go early in the morning, train, work most of the day, train again, work in the evening, go to sleep, do it all over again. Um, I, I, you know, I don't really have an off switch. And uh, from a really young age, actually my dad got me my first job um, moving furniture. So I think that's another, uh, just another, manual labor lifting things kind of thing that I did for a long time. <laughs> um, but it, it taught me, you know, I started there at 16, which is not legal. Um, and maybe we shouldn't, well, we won't talk about where I was, um, but I was paid cash. It was awesome. <laughs> um, you get to the work site at 6 a.m. and you work until the job is done. Um, and sometimes that's noon, sometimes that's four, sometimes there were, there were times that we were there after midnight. So like, a, like 18 hours plus. Um, and that was just sort of my, that was my first introduction to what work life was like. Uh, through college, I was a bartender. It was kind of the same thing. Like you, you start at three or four o'clock in the afternoon and you're done at two, three o'clock in the morning and uh, just like, like long hours. Uh, I personal trained through that too. So I don't really make a big distinction between work-life balance. Um, I, I kind of, it's all one thing for me. And so I don't know where that's going, but. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you have, and we talked about this a little before we started recording, just that work ethic, that, that idea of like you, you keep pressing forward despite uh, challenges and obstacles that come your way. Um, and so, so you're pressing forward. So what, what led you then to, um, owning CrossFit infinite strength? What, what, what was that route that brought you to that affiliate ownership? Um, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying like, when I worked for moving furniture, um, you make as much money as you're willing to work for. Right. And so it, it's an hourly, hourly rate um but i mean the harder work the better jobs you got and uh and so i learned like there's an incentive to that um bartending same thing right uh, if you're if you're friendly to people if you do your job well you you make more money and i was you know when you're in a in personal training same thing um so when you're in those kinds of environments um, it's a really common thing to say, like, God, if I could only have like a steady paycheck or a salary or whatever, like I would just have it made. It was such a, it, it was just this thing that I wanted so, excuse me, so bad. And um, when I got it, working for the university, um, life was great for a little while. Um, it, was, it was the first time I'd ever had steady income. And um, over the next few years, though, I realized that it didn't really matter how hard I worked or how good my outcomes were or 
um, or anything like that. And I'm, I'm just very motivated by, I don't even want to say incentive, but like recognition for the work I do. And I didn't feel like I was getting much of that. And by that time, uh, 2017 or so, I had been in the fitness industry for a decade. Um, I, you know, I was all in. And so I thought if I was going to continue this, that I need to start working for myself. Um, and I started looking into purchasing a CrossFit gym. Um, the first one I looked at was CrossFit Kauai. <laughs> um, I actually, I got, it was on Craigslist. I had a friend of mine send it to me and, uh, and I went there twice. I met with the owner. I, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It just ended up being, uh, not a good fit. And I, I, I couldn't pick up and live my life to Hawaii. Um, just a little, little too risky, um, for where I was at that point. Um, I had worked at both Spark and Infinite Strength in the past. Uh, I was currently still at Infinite Strength. Um, the previous owner of Spark approached me and uh, there we had some discussions for a while of purchasing that gym. Um, that went on for about six months or so. And it, again, the timing just wasn't right. Um, and the family who owned Infinite approached me then and said, hey, we're, uh, we're looking to move on and we think you'd be a great fit for the facility to keep it alive. And, and I went all in. I, uh, so I, I bought Infinite Strength in February of 2018 and was perfectly content having one gym. <laughs> but? But, um, well, let's see. I learned a whole lot about, like, I, I thought I knew about what, what being a gym owner would be like, um, having been in CrossFit boxes for, at that point, what, eight years? Um, I had no idea. 99% of my problems have nothing to do with fitness. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it, it's, and I don't have, um, I don't have a lot of background in business or anything like that. I'm actually, I'm the first person in my family to graduate high school. Um, so like yeah, there wasn't, uh, I'll say there wasn't a lot of support. I don't mean that by any other ways. And then like nobody knew how to support me. Um, and so it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of figuring it out on my own. Um, I had some really, really good mentors along the way. Um, I mean, just, just members, friends of mine, um, who I would have never, it feels weird to call them mentors, but I guess that's, that's effectively what they are. Um, but just people who have my best interest in mind. And, uh, you know, I, I said early on that because I don't know how to run a business, I'm just going to treat people well and uh, hope that I can figure it out and before they realize that I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, being three years into this now, that seems to be the exact way to build a long, a sustainable business is, uh, it's, it's people over profit. And you take care, take care of them and they will take care of you. Um, and I think no, there was no better, um, no better example of that than the last four or five months. Um, you know, COVID hit in, in March and I mean, we, we didn't panic, um, but I was scared um, with my single gym and I didn't know how long this was going to go for. I didn't know how much it was going to affect us. Um, you know, we were, we were watching, Arizona was sort of a, a, a late 
bloomer in the yeah in the COVID world. And so we got to watch New York and some other states um, react first, and it allowed us to kind of see best practices, what they were doing, um, and we were able to respond really well. So we got it. We got the order to close on Thursday. Um, I met with my coaches on Friday. Um, we did equipment checkout on Saturday. We taught our first Zoom class at 5.30 Monday morning. Um, we built an outdoor space so that we could continue training outside. Um, that was up and running later that week. And uh, we just tried to continue business as usual for as much as we could. And, uh, you know, we there were some people who were directly affected. They lost their jobs. They were uh, put on furlough. They were... Um, you know, they work in healthcare and so they have to protect themselves. And so we lost some memberships, um, as I'm sure every gym did, but not nearly to the same extent that uh, from what I heard from a lot of other people. And I think that it was a combination of the relationships that we had built over the previous few years um, and being able to respond quickly and effectively. Um, yeah, I say to my coaches all the time that fitness is a, uh, can, you can do it anywhere, right? And now that, now that boutique fitness has come up all over the place and you know, even Lifetime has their alpha program, which if you want to go there, I, I helped start back in 2014 also. Um, <laughs> um, they pay us a premium to lead them and you know, most of the time that's through a workout, um, but sometimes it's not. And uh, the message was just, we need to have our stuff together so that we can calm the fear and the uncertainty and the um, just the anxiety that a lot of people are experiencing right now in un, you know, uncertain times. And yeah, the community responded really, really well. Um, we've had a lot of participation in all of the things that we've offered. Um, we've had to modify some things, um, especially the second go around. Um, the infinite strength is actually on the Indian reservation. And so technically we're in a different country and they operate on their own rules. And at the, at first we were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's the wild west. We don't have to follow Arizona state guidelines. Um, but then, then the, the community, the, the Indian community was hit pretty hard. And so we've actually had more restrictions placed on us um, than the rest of the state. And, and, you know, we've adapted to that as well. Um, as far as the other two gyms go, so they're, they're both gyms that I've had previous uh, experience with. I've worked at Spark uh, a few times, like I said, and then um, I have a lot of friends in the, the Hammer community. And when I heard that they were closing, I, even then I had no intentions of purchasing the gym. Um, I reached out to one of the owners and just asked if there's anything that we could do to help. Um, you know, we were doing fairly well um, through, through COVID. And so I, I had a little bit more bandwidth than I anticipated. And I was just like, reaching out to see if there's anything that we could do. And um, through some discussions, it, the best thing that I could do was to take over operations of the gym. And I figured if there was a time to do it, that, that this was it. Um, you know, in a way, this has sort of been a blessing in disguise, right? The, the gym 
the typical gym operations are closed um, or shut down. So we're able to do a lot more quickly. Um, we're trying to completely renovate the space um, and you know, not, not exactly pour a lot of money into it, but just pour a lot of effort into it um, and, and show the members, again, that they're being cared for um, and, and trying to um, give them a little bit of, of solidarity in this like this chaos, right? Um, you know, they, they got the announcement that their gym was closing and then a week later got the announcement that man, maybe not. <laughs> so like, there's a lot of emotions through that. Right. And then, you know, a, a decent amount of them knew me, but a lot of them didn't. And so I wanted to show right away that, um, that this wasn't just going to be like some acquisition where I took over and like, I don't know, changed everything. But, um, I told them immediately, like, this is your, this is your community that I'm trying to facilitate. And uh, I'm just like, let me, let me operate in the background and, uh, and let me keep your, keep the family alive. Mm. Yeah. And then two weeks later, I did it again. <laughs> Was that the same kind of occurrence as hammer where there were discussions like that happening? Um, yeah, so same thing, uh, almost identical. Right? They were, they announced that they were closing, um, reached out, and actually I, I didn't reach out immediately this time because I already had my hands full. Um, it's kind of a funny story. So I just reached out to the owner because he was my previous boss. He's a friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for six years, and um, I had the thought, you know, he wasn't trying to sell his business. Um, he, but he had a lot of equipment and hammer needed some equipment. And so I thought like, maybe I could purchase just the, the assets, um, and, and move them up there. And, oh man, this, the spark people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, what? You were, you were just going to let our gym close. <laughs> I'm sorry guys. Um, I didn't know but you were overwhelmed. Able. You had literally just bought another location. Oh, absolutely. Um, so then over the weekend, I come to find out that one of my members at Infinite also had intentions of purchasing the equipment. Um, and he was, he was going to resell it, uh, which is, I mean, it's a great, yeah, right. I mean, it, it's, it's smart in this kind of economy, right? You can um, buy it wholesale essentially, and then piece it out and, and make yourself a decent profit over the course of a couple months. Um, so he called me and asked me if I could help him evaluate some equipment. <laughs> and uh, we realized that we were after the same thing. And through some more series of discussions, we decided to go into it together and see if there was anything that we could do to save Spark. And so that's, uh, that's where we're at right now. Um, so I guess technically I own two and a half gyms. Um, yeah, and I'm operating all three of them. And, and you know, right now, Arizona gyms are shut down again. Um, so we're, I mean, same thing at all three gyms. We've got equipment rental, we've got um, online classes three times a day, and we have outdoor classes um, at 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. at each location. Um, Spark technically, since they don't yet have insurance on, on the space, um, we are at the park. So we've called it Spark in the Park or Park Fit. 
and uh, and we've been rolling with it. Actually, that's where I was this morning at five thirty. So, whew, it's a wow. lot. <laughs> it's a lot to hear me say it all at once. It's a lot to hear you say it all at once, and I'm not even living it. I I, I love I love Spark in the Park. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, but wow, James, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to happen in. I think a time of such incredible change and I've been calling it tumultuous, <laughs> tumultuous time. So I think that's really quite incredible. And I think probably our owners who are um, listening to the episode are probably like, what, how, how, why, how, how did you do that? And I mean, not necessarily because they're looking to buy, but I think it's a testament to maybe what you had built at infinite strength where you were in a place to, you know, say, I, I would say, save hammer and, and spark. Um, and I love that it was it, some of that with hammer was like, let's save this community. And you said that with spark too, let's save this community because that's what these CrossFit gyms are. There's these little boats of people and communities that want to exist. And it's really hard when it closes. So I guess what, what maybe, what maybe got you into the place with infinite strength where, you know, you were able to step in um, with hammer CrossFit and you were able to step in with your business partner with spark and, and um, step in and help save these gyms. Like what maybe over the years since February, 2018, when you, you know, owned infinite strength, were you like, you know, like these things really helped our business grow and flourish so that we could now purchase <laughs> two more and own two and a half slash three um gyms i mean are there any lessons learned or things that you could just share that like put you in that position where you're able to do that um man it, like i said before i think a lot of it is just you have to be relentless um I, there's a, I, I speak to having worked for the university for, for a long time. You speak to a lot of students who um, they want to own their own business, right? They think that like, I can't wait to be my own boss. I can't wait to have people work underneath me. And, you know, I want to sit back and collect money. And it's like, it could not be further from the truth. Um, I, this is my entire life. These communities are my life. Um, and in a way, like I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I consider myself a servant more than, more than an owner. I have, you know, I now have 600 bosses and, uh, and people who look to me for, for direction. And that's a lot of responsibility. Um, but I think that like accepting it and, and like understanding that that is what my role is, has made this whole thing a lot easier. Um, because it's really easy to get frustrated with the the one-off situations and like this person's personality and like the, and this equipment breaks and this uh, this landlord has this issue or whatever. Um, and you look at it as like these disruptions to normal operations, whatever that means. Um, but in reality, like that is my business is uh, is to um, establish those relationships and nurture those and to put fires out as they come up and to like, it's, it's changed the way that I've looked at the role. Um, that like my job is like firefighter, therapist, um, 
you know, I, I went on the roof of Hammer last week with an air compressor and blew out the condensation line because we had a leak in the AC and, and there's water all over the floor. Um, you just, you do whatever's necessary. And uh, there's a quote that I'll probably butcher and I have no idea who said it. Um, <laughs> Um, but it was, uh, yeah, will, will what is necessary and then do what you will. And uh, ultimately that just means do what's necessary. And uh, like, I, I just don't have quit in me. And uh, I think that, I think that's my advice is like, even when you feel like you don't know what you're doing and the whole world is closing down around you, like you just find like one step at a time and don't allow yourself to get too far ahead of yourself. And like, it's so much easier said than done. Um, and I'm not, I would not consider myself even good at that, at practicing that, um, but good enough that, uh, that I'm still here. Yeah, I, it's, really, it's really quite amazing. And I love that um, you have to be relentless. I love that you said that. Um, and, even that fact of I'm a servant, I'm a servant as a leader in these three communities. You know, I serve, you're up on the roof of hammer, like th these different aspects of relentlessness, I think tie into that uh, idea of being a servant. Um, Cause I mean, servants are relentless. They continue on, they have to keep serving even when they're tired and it's hard. And um, I, so I love that. I think that's a beautiful picture that you painted. Um, so no, that's good, James. Thank you for that. And, and um, just kind of curious too, you know, what, what maybe um, have you learned the most during this time of um, closing and reopening and closing and being located on Indian reservation? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, any, anything you could maybe impart that you're like, Hey, this is kind of what I learned to, to help us the most in this time of uncertainty and pandemic and all of that. Um, I don't know how this will sound, but I had a conversation with one of my coaches last week that we are, we're in a relationship business um, and we just do it through like using fitness as a conduit. Um, that what's, what's always drawn to CrossFit, drawn me to CrossFit is that it's so much more than just service level fitness, right? There's, it's the same principles that you, that you learn in like how to, how to approach a workout um, are the same ones that I use in, in like every other aspect of my life, right? Um, you learn to you learn to pace yourself. You learn what's sustainable and what isn't. You learn that sometimes you need to get uncomfortable. You learn that uh, that some days you don't have it, um, right? I, uh, I I went to bed at like six o'clock in the evening twice last week um, because I just needed to recharge. I went, yeah. Um, I think. There's a lot of things in life that are like that. Um, and I think Ben Bergeron talks a lot about fitness being a microcosm of life. And I think if you, if you can pay attention enough to make those correlations, um, life becomes a whole lot simpler. And rather than looking at like, um, well here, I'll give it a good example, a, a fitness example um, that I tell beginners all the time. Um, you know, if you, if I wanted to, I could sit and make a list of 
80 different CrossFit movements, right? Um, like how many different versions of a hand clean are there? Um, and it's confusing. It's totally overwhelming if you look at it like that. Um, but if you realize that, like, if you can distill movement down and, and forget all the, 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 the fitness industry and gyms and everything else, all we really do is push, pull, hinge, and squat. And uh, if you can, if you can do that well, and you can understand that those four like core elements of movement, then I can teach you how to snatch. I can teach you how to how to do a muscle up. I can teach you all that stuff. Um, I mean, granted, there's a lot of other stuff in the middle, but um, but it doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it. And so like, I, I try to look at life the same way um, that, you know, there are, there are certain elements that are just universal. And uh, if you can, if you can master those basics, then you can handle just about anything that comes up. The unknown and the unknowable, right? That's a virtuosity uh, article from Greg, Greg Glassman in 2002. Um, yeah, that's, that's exactly, that's how I look at life. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's great, James. And even just that aspect of um, it's as complicated as we make it. And sometimes we just love to make it a little more complicated than it needs to be. So, uh, but I, and I love that too. Push, pull, engine, squat. That's really, I like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very simple, very cool. And I guess probably starting to wrap up, uh, we've talked about so many different things, so many good things. Um, but I, I always love to ask this question. If, if you could tell the affiliate owners listening to this episode one thing today, what would that be? People over profit. Um, I found, it just my experience as a business owner, is a lot of small decisions that you have to make um, usually will go in one direction, right? It's either, it's, it's, if it's good for the business, it's not always great for the member immediately, uh, or they might not see it as, as great and if it's, it's better for the member, like, let's just say like offering more class times or more class options, right? That increases payroll, that increases like, there's, excuse me, so many, um, so many things to consider with that. Oh, man, I don't know how, how to say this. It's, it's, it's the same thing I led with earlier. Take care of people and they'll take care of you. Um, and that's, that's, that's been my, my mantra. And I don't want that message to get misconstrued as if like, cause I know there's probably a lot of people that, that'll elicit like a reactive response of like, well, wait a second, I do care about people um, and I'm struggling, so what the hell? Um, and I don't, I don't mean to say like, I don't know where I'm gonna go with this part. <laughs> I often feel like my effort goes unnoticed um, and it can be really discouraging at times, but um, every once in a while you get a little glimmer of somebody will say something that a lot that lets you know that they're, that they're paying attention. Um, you know, I, I say it to my coaches too, somebody's always watching. Right? And, uh, if, and 
it's really hard sometimes to embody the stuff that we say to other people. Um, there's another quote that I really love is wisdom. Wisdom comes from learning to take your own advice. Um, and that's something that I try to, to keep in the forefront of my mind all the time too. Um, that even when it feels like nobody's watching, like keep doing it. Um, and it comes back to being relentless, like we talked about earlier, um, showing effort. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we have, an, we have outdoor space in Arizona in the middle of the summertime. Um, like these last three weeks are the hottest weeks of the year and it's miserable, right? But we have a portable swamp cooler out there. We have tents for shade. Um, we have like big jugs of Powerade and we're putting the effort in and giving people options, whether they choose to take them or not. Ultimately, like, I don't even know that that matters at this point, um, but those people know that we are doing everything in our power to give them a chance. And uh, I think that that's what matters more than anything. It's, uh, knowing that somebody has your best interest in mind allows you the space to explore right and to actually like give full effort um, i find a lot of times that people you know i used to think that people were lazy when i was young and i was like how do you ever how did you let yourself go or whatever um and i've come to find that a lot of times people are running really hard in the wrong direction and they learn they, they stop associating hard work with result and then they start thinking to themselves what's the point right and they become discouraged and if you can if you can just show them that it's okay to try um, it's just it's really amazing what you'll what you'll get out of people um, customers coaches friends relationships family like they, yeah that's I think that's the message is uh, let just constantly let people know that you care. Don't be afraid to show it. And uh, and yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I like that. I think that's I think that's a good word to end on. So, well, James, hey, thank you, thank you for giving us everything that you did today, and for taking the time out of your day to um, share with our listeners. Just what you've learned and, you know, showing that effort. I think that's awesome. So yeah. Thanks James. Thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks so much. This is great. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing Heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in.